This is uh, difficult. I'm not willing to take the responsibility all myself because I learned many years ago how to share the blame. When Ron was alive, I usually shared it with him. But this time it looks like it's all mine. Let me begin by saying, wasn't that an incredible message last Sunday morning? Thanks. You remember several months ago, in fact, all through the past three and a half years I've been pastor, I told you that if I ever said anything wrong, you were responsible because you were supposed to know the Word of God for yourself. Don't ever believe me until you've compared it to the Word of God. Did anybody remember me ever saying that? Okay, several. Okay, last Sunday morning I said something wrong and repeated it numerous times. How How many of you caught it? Raise your hand. Oh, that's really embarrassing. I thought more of you knew better than that. One person caught it. She very graciously pointed it out to me. And uh, it was a very gentle rebuke, for which I'm grateful. Because I've known people to try to rebuke their pastor before, and it was not gentle nor gracious. And they ended up paying the price because uh, the Word of God says quite clearly and quite definitely, Touch not mine anointed, saith the Lord. Okay? But there wasn't a touch. There wasn't even an attack. It was simply a very gracious pointing out where I was wrong. I'm going to correct that error this morning. Beginning in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, where it says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Verse 9, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day you're not to work. You're to rest. It's a day appointed by God for man to relax, refresh, regenerate. Be able to go again on the first day of the week. In the Old Testament times, that day was always Saturday. It began Friday night at sundown and went until Sunday, Saturday night at sundown. Okay? <clears throat> Sabbath occurs once every week. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feast. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. 
These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which thou shalt proclaim in their seasons. In the fourteenth day of the first month at evening is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. We'll pause there in our reading. We'll move on to Luke chapter 22 in just a few moments. Notice, if you will, he begins with the Sabbath day that occurs once per week. Always on Saturday. Friday evening and Saturday daytime. Okay? But then he says that the first of the feast is the Lord's Passover, and it's on a particular day of the month. As you know, the days of the month do not fall on the same day of the week every month. And so this is another Sabbath during the week. It's called a high day. A high day. A holy convocation is a dress rehearsal. It's a time for the the community, the family, the church to get together and rehearse what God has done in the past and rehearse what God is going to do in the future. Now, Passover has already been accomplished. They did it the first time in the book of Exodus when Moses led the children out of the land of Egypt. He told them to take a lamb on the tenth day of the month and to put it up and watch it for four days. And after four days, on the fourth day, kill the lamb. Take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost, on the lintel, and on each side with a branch of hyssop, which is a bitter herb. And when the death angel passed over Egypt, he would see the blood on the doorpost and he would pass over that house. You say, Brother Casey, you told us all this last week. I'm glad you remember. Because some of you are sitting there thinking, did he ever say this before? (coughs) Okay. And that was on the 14th day of the month, Passover. At sundown of the 14th day, it became the 15th of the month, and that was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Passover meal was served that night. The death of the Passover lamb occurred on the afternoon or evening of the 14th, right before sundown. And then the feast was held that evening. The next morning, which was still part of the 15th, was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it lasted how long? Seven days. The first day and the last day were Sabbath days. High days. And so it was possible for there to be two Sabbaths in a week, two weeks in a row. And that's what happened in the week that Jesus died. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 22, verse 11. Luke 22, verse 11.
Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, kill Jesus, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the number of the twelve, and he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad, and they covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? He said unto them, Behold, when you have entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And you shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? He shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. They went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I shall not eat any more, eat thereof, until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. We'll pause there in our reading and turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. Matthew 26, 17 says, Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Notice Matthew and Luke both refer to the first day of unleavened bread as the Passover. John chapter 19 and verse 14 through 16 says, And it was the preparation of the Passover. It was the preparation of the Passover. The day of preparation. The day when the Passover lamb was crucified. On the 14th of Nisan. Okay, that's the background. Last Sunday morning in the message I said that Jesus was crucified on Thursday. However, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40 states differently. If somebody's wrong, is it Matthew or is it Randy Casey? What? I'm glad you recognized it. The Word of God is never wrong. Okay? What is evident from the Word of God is that either we don't understand it, or we misread it, or we haven't looked carefully at the entire Word. Because the Word of God is always true. The evidence bears it out. People often go searching for evidence that says something different. So they can challenge the Word of God. However, when you look closely and carefully... The evidence always bears out the truth of the Word of God. God said what He meant. He meant what He said. And His Word never changes. So when was Jesus crucified? 
Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. Are you there yet? What's it say? And as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, even so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, since the Jews look at a day as starting at sundown, a more careful translation might be that as Jonah was three nights and three days in the belly of the whale, even so shall the Son of Man be three nights and three days in the heart of the earth. The 14th of Nisan was April the 25th, A.D. 31. Or 31 A.D., excuse me. 31 A.D., April 25th, it was on a Wednesday. It was on a Wednesday. That evening at sundown, the 15th, Jesus celebrated with his disciples. And went forth to the Garden of Gethsemane where he was captured. Tried all through the night by Caiaphas and by Annas. And then they took him to Pilate early in the morning. Pilate tried him and found him not guilty. Tried him again, found him not guilty. Sent him to Herod and Herod found him not guilty. Sent him back to Pilate. Pilate had him uh, beaten and offered to release Barabbas. And the people said, no, crucify Jesus. Release unto us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. Pilate tried him again, said, this man has done nothing worthy of death. And the people cried out the more, let him be crucified. And so Pilate, in a very brilliant illustration for us, brought forth water and washed his hands in the water and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. Let his blood be on you and your house. And he tried to cleanse himself with water. Do you think it worked? Absolutely not. Pilate always knew that he was guilty of the death of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's said that later, when he was uh, reappointed to Spain, he went crazy and ran through the countryside, finding every little puddle of water and washing his hands. Constantly washing his hands so that he, he wouldn't bear the guilt of the death of an innocent man. By the same token, people sometimes believe that if they get baptized, that will cleanse them from the guilt of sin. It doesn't. Baptism is simply the symbol that shows that you have followed Christ in salvation and now you're willing to follow Him in obedience. It's the first step of obedience for a believer. Those who refuse to get baptized probably never have been saved. They may cling to a circumstance or a situation. But salvation is a relationship. It's not a circumstance. John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse 14. Are you there? Almost there? Believe me, I know how you feel. 
I wish the search engine on my iPhone worked faster too. John chapter 14, John chapter 19, verse 14. It was the preparation of the Sabbath. About the sixth hour, Pilate saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Skip down, if you will, to verse 31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day. That's significant. Why? Because it's not the the Friday night, Saturday, Sabbath day. This is a high day. It occurs on a different day of the week. And in this particular week, it occurs on Thursday. They besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. One of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and therefore, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he saw that it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that you might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him leave, and he came therefore, took the body of Jesus. There came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. And brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden. In the garden a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews preparation day. For the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Luke chapter 23. Verse 52. Luke 23, verse 52. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, and he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. The women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after, beheld the sepulcher, how the body was laid, and they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandments. Mark chapter 16. Turn with me there. Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said unto themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? 
When they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he saith unto you. And they went out quickly and they fled from the sepulcher. For they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Verse 14. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. And upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned or damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We'll pause there in our reading. Very quickly, let me wrap this up. The disciples, excuse me, the Gospels say that the women followed and watched where Jesus was buried. The next day was the high day, the Sabbath day. So the following day, they went to the marketplace and they bought spices and prepared those spices and an ointment to anoint the body of Jesus and then they rested on the Sabbath day. The following day is the first day of the week, Sunday morning. They come to the tomb worried about who's going to roll away the stone, who's going to take away the stone and it's already gone. It's already been moved. They look in and there's a young man sitting in the tomb at one end of the burial bed. And there he says to them, are you looking for Jesus? He's not here. He is risen. Now go tell his disciples and Peter. Now why and Peter? Because Peter's the one that denied him three times the night before he was crucified. And so we have Jesus buried, Jesus crucified on Wednesday. He was buried Thursday evening, right at sundown. Excuse me, Wednesday evening, right at sundown. He was in the grave that night and Thursday. He was in the grave the next night and Friday. He was in the grave the next night and Saturday. And sometime after sundown on Saturday, he rose from the dead. He was in the grave 72 hours. Three days, three nights. So why do people say he was crucified on Friday? Because the next day was Sabbath. But that's not a clear understanding of Scripture. There were two Sabbaths that week. There was one on Thursday, the high day, the first day of first fruits. And then one on Saturday, the day of rest. And the next week, there was one on Thursday and another one on Saturday. The end of the first fruits and the Sabbath of rest. You say, really, Casey, is this really important? 
Yes. Why? Because the Bible is always true. And if we don't believe what the Bible says, we are always wrong. And I, for one, being a pastor, do not like being wrong. Whether I was a pastor or not, before I ever became a pastor, I didn't like being wrong. In fact, after I got married, my wife used to point out to me when I was wrong. And it was very difficult for me to say, I'm sorry, I was mistaken. (laughs) Apparently it's a man thing, as you wives may know. So I have to go with what the Bible says. What the Bible says is this. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. What judgment? Well, there are two. Number one is the judgment for sin, which occurred at the cross of Calvary. When Jesus Christ took our sins in his own body and and died on Calvary for us. Died there on that cross. In our place. Offering us forgiveness and salvation. So that we could spend eternity with God in heaven. Which is what God had planned for us from the beginning. Excuse me, I said in heaven. Not necessarily in heaven. The Bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and God's going to come down and dwell with man on the new earth. So we'll spend seven years in heaven, and then we'll come back with Jesus, rule and reign for a thousand years, and then spend the rest of eternity in the very presence of God. Wherever he goes, I'm going, because I'm part of his bride. There's a second judgment for sin for those who refuse... Christ's offer of salvation at the cross. It's called the great white throne judgment. Where the books are open. And another book is open which is called the book of life. Revelation chapter 19 and then again in chapter, uh, well, chapter 19 verse 20 and chapter 20 also. Okay? And it says that the dead are raised. The sea gives up the dead that are in it. The earth gives up the dead that are in it. Hell gives up the the dead that are in it. You see, the sea and the grave contain the bodies. Those that do not receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior are in the place called Hades. We just call it hell, but the Jews had a separate name for it. They call it Sheol. And there they wait for the great white throne judgment when they're reunited with their bodies. Revelation chapter 20 says that they are judged out of those books. What books? The books that show every time they heard the gospel. The books that show every time they recognized that there is a God and they rejected Him. Every time that they knew that they were sinners and they refused to repent and turn to Christ. And then they look in the book of life. And their names have been blotted out of the book of life because they rejected Jesus. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'll do it this way next time. <coughs> Still a little much. 
They rejected Jesus. And what happens? Whosoever, whosoever's name is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That is the final destination for the devil and all of his angels that follow him. We call them demons. It is the destination for every person who rejects Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Every person who says no to his offer of salvation, his offer of mercy. Every person who thinks, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I have been a good person. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. Good people die and go to hell like everybody else that thinks they don't need Jesus. I have my tithe on today that my wife got me that says saved by grace. Somebody commented on this morning and I said, yeah, saved by works was too expensive. Not the tithe saved by works, just saved by works because nobody gets saved by works. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to God's mercy He saves us. Nobody gets to heaven by doing their best. Nobody gets to heaven by being good. Nobody gets to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments because nobody keeps the Ten Commandments. The first commandment is, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy mind. And nobody does that. So our only hope is a Savior. Jesus Christ the Lord. God sent Him to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could be forgiven. We could spend eternity with Him. Let's bow together in prayer. So we stand quietly to our feet. Father, I come to you this morning thanking you for your word. The Lord is so clear, so easily understood if we just read it. If we'd ask your Holy Spirit to teach us because he's the one who illuminates the Word of God. He's the one who whispered it to the writers so that they would know to write exactly what you said. He's the one who can explain it. Father, I come to you this morning. I ask your Holy Spirit to deal with hearts. Lord, I've tried to say what you told me to say. But I know it hadn't all been real clear. I don't want anyone to go from here confused. So I need your Holy Spirit to come in His power. And for Him to preach the Word in hearts. Lord, whatever happens, we'll give you the praise and the glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. For His sake. Amen.